Welcome to Historical Jesus. I'm Mark Vinette. The story of Jesus cannot be adequately understood apart from the world in which he lived. It was a world ruled by Rome. How Rome came to be so central to this story is one of the intriguing aspects of both Roman and biblical history. Indeed, Rome's rise to power intersect at one time or another with events in the tiny Middle Eastern kingdom of Judea. By the time Jesus was born, the political intrigue had not settled in Judea. The transition to Roman rule remained a bitter pill. Caesar Augustus was the Emperor Octavian, founder of the Roman Empire, and the man in power when Jesus was born. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. The Gospel of Luke He reigned from 27 BC until 14 AD when he was succeeded by his adoptive son, Tiberius Caesar, who was emperor when Jesus was executed. Jesus lived in an area occupied by the mighty Roman Empire, ruled by an autocratic emperor. The system of one-man rule was established, operated, and flourished at the time of Jesus' birth, during his adult life, and the subsequent early Christian movement. According to Christians and most biblical scholars, Jesus of Nazareth has an historical context. He is neither a myth nor a legend. He is both historical and verifiable. He is mentioned not only in the New Testament, but by contemporaries and early documents, such as Josephus, Pliny, Tacitus, Suetonius, Barserapian, Thallus, Lucian, and the Talmud. Jesus is thus a person in history. Let's investigate the monumental life of Emperor Octavian Caesar Augustus with help from the 15-Minute History Podcast. In 27 BC, Octavian appeared before the Senate, now filled with his yes-men, and declared he was ready to surrender his dictatorship and return power back to the elected men in white togas. A cry immediately went up of no, as his followers insisted he remain exactly where he was. They were, perhaps, intimidated by the fact that Octavian had four legions camped outside the city. The senators then devised a settlement in which their leader would remain in place, and Octavian suggested some changes to the Roman system of government. Whereas before the Caesar-Pompey War, the Senate had elected two consuls to serve as chief executives each year, Octavian would now automatically be given one consulship, and the Senate would then appoint the second. Additionally, the Senate would grant Octavian the title princeps, or first citizen, to acknowledge his supreme place in the state, and the priests would name him Augustus, the revered one, to coat his rule with religious legitimacy. A publicly embarrassed but privately celebratory Octavian agreed to this settlement and then took on the name that would define not only his rule, but that of his successors for more than a thousand years. After a final request for recognition of his military gains, Gaius Octavian Caesar became Imperator Caesar Augustus. Imperator Caesar Augustus. Three years into what historians called the Principate, the first phase of Rome's imperial history, Augustus faced some criticism by brave senators and other officials who had grown suspicious that he was trying to rule the empire alone. 
The Imperator, victorious commander, agreed to a second settlement that seemed to limit his power but actually made him even stronger. The Roman Empire was divided into two types of provinces whose governors directed all affairs within their borders. Governors in the imperial provinces were appointed by Augustus as Imperator, while men known as proconsuls chose who would rule the senatorial provinces. In 24 BC, Augustus gave up the annual post of consul and instead became one of dozens of proconsuls within the Senate. In this new post, and since he was objectively the most powerful man in Rome, he claimed the right to appoint governors in the senatorial provinces, and he still chose the governors for the imperial provinces as well. Though his opponents failed to realize it at the time, Augustus now wielded absolute authority everywhere in the empire, and though the Senate might try to restrain him, his governors knew where their bread was buttered and would support the imperator in all circumstances. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-218-6010. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-218-6010. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-218-6010. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Armed with this new power, Augustus sent about implementing numerous governing reforms that survived him by centuries. The month of Sextilis was renamed August in 8 BC and followed July, formerly Quintilis, that honored the slain Julius Caesar. The Senate gave him more posts within the government. He became a tribune and could veto any laws proposed in the assemblies, as well as a censor with authority to determine who was and was not a citizen. In 4 BC, he used this latter power to call a census across the empire to collect new taxes to pay for his wars and public works projects. Every subject of the imperator, from Spain to Judea, had to return to their ancestral home to be counted and taxed, an event that might be familiar to students of biblical history. Augustus used his vast personal wealth amassed by selling Egyptian grain across the empire to build monuments and arenas to keep the people happy, statues to commemorate his victories and glorify Rome's earlier heroes, and roads to unite every corner of the realm. Though the legions continued to battle enemies on the frontier, Augustus's reign was mostly peaceful inside Rome's borders, and this Pax Romana endured for nearly two centuries after his death. It allowed Roman culture to flourish as artists and writers no longer feared death at the hands of rebel armies or outlaws, and its citizens could walk from one end of the empire to the other without risk of harm. A new religion spreading from a distant province in the east probably could not have done so without this peace, and it soon took a central place in the culture and society of the Roman Empire. Of course, Augustus remained a warrior, and his campaigns along the Roman borders expanded the empire into untamed new lands. His armies won most of their battles thanks to their superior tactics, but the dense wilderness of Germania was a far more dangerous place than Augustus realized. In 9 AD, Consul Publius Quintilius Varus led three legions into the Teutoburg Forest in what is now northwestern Germany, where they were annihilated by Germanic warbands led by a former Roman officer-turned-chieftain named Arminius. 
The Roman historian Suetonius records that when he heard of the disaster at the Tudorberg Forest, Augustus repeatedly bashed his head against a wall in his palace while shouting, Varus, give me back my legions. Varus could not comply, as he had taken his own life after the defeat. The Battle of the Tudorberg Forest ended Augustus's expansion campaigns, and Rome remained at peace for the rest of his reign. Augustus had suffered with health problems for much of his life. In 23 BC, he had nearly died of an unknown illness. He recovered, but the question of who would succeed him as princeps and imperator plagued him for the rest of his life. At that time, he still maintained he was trying to restore the Republic, and the Senate would have revolted if he had codified the succession into law. Augustus married three times, but had only a daughter, Julia the Elder, with his second wife, Scribonia. The Imperator adopted his grandsons, but each one predeceased him. However, Augustus's third wife, Livia, had a son named Tiberius, a popular general who had won several victories along the Danube frontier and in Germany. In 4 AD, Augustus adopted Tiberius, and as his star rose with triumphs on the battlefield, the Imperator knew he had found his successor. Eight years later, as Augustus entered the seventh decade of life, he named Tiberius co-imperator and prepared him to assume the principate when the time came. Tiberius was popular with the masses, but those close to him knew him to be a bitter, spiteful man. Many in the imperial court tried to dissuade Augustus from passing his power on to Tiberius, but no one could change his mind. The father and adopted son left Rome in the summer of 14 AD on separate journeys. Tiberius traveled to Illyria, where Augustus had learned of Julius Caesar's death many years before, to recruit fresh legions for a new push into Germania, while the imperator went to the town of Nola on the southwest coast of Italy, where his father had died 73 years earlier. Augustus died there after a day walking in a grove of fig trees. A story soon emerged that Livia had poisoned her husband, but most historians doubt this to be true. The imperator's state funeral in Rome was a festival modeled on the triumph, which celebrated a returning general after a victorious war, and as a priest released an eagle into the sky to symbolize Augustus's spirit departing this world, many began to speak openly of him as a god. The new imperator, Tiberius, declared his adopted father to be just that, and until 391 AD, the Roman people worshipped the founder of their empire in the pantheon of divine beings. I'm Mark Vinette. Thank you for sharing your time with me. Doctors endorse it, nutritionists recommend it, and customers love it. Calotrin Healthy Weight Loss. Ron in Texas lost 35 pounds. Marie in Pennsylvania lost 117 pounds with Calotrin. Diane not only lost weight, but she also found relief from arthritis. Lynn lost over 45 pounds. Calotrin contains collagen, the most abundant protein naturally occurring in the human body, which decreases as we age. Taking Calotrin promotes better sleep, more energy, less joint pain, and best of all, weight loss. Calotrin has an amazing 86% success rate with their 90-day supply. And this week, take advantage of their President's Day sale. Buy the 90-day supply and get an extra month free plus free shipping. Ordering is so easy. Just text the word HISTORY to the code 30605 and we'll send you a link to this special offer. Again, 
Text history, that's H I S T O R Y, using the code 30605.